Hi, you're listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist Church. These resources are not designed to take the place of a local church, but we hope they will encourage you on your journey with Christ. For more information about how you can connect with the Second Family, visit mysecond.family. This sermon was delivered live at our Greenbrier campus. Thanks for listening. Had a cool uh, dad moment yesterday, right? So my daughter, Sadie, she's three years old. Um, about a month or two ago, we're asking her, hey, what do you want for Christmas? And, and I was expecting, you know, some, something Paw Patrol or something like that. She said, I want pink drums, okay? Um, so we looked on Amazon. They don't have pink drums, so she got purple drums, all right? With pink uh, drumsticks, though, okay? And so for about a month or so, she has just been... Um, drums, 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 right? Which is super weird, right? I don't know why or where this came from. Um, but um, last night, we, uh, or yeah, two nights ago, we, you know, went to bed, did our routine, you know, praying and reading books and said, hey, Sadie, maybe tomorrow, you know, maybe we'll see some presents um, under the tree. Who knows? You know, so she was just real giddy and excited. We had to calm her down. And so she prayed and we went to sleep. And so I did what dads do, right? I went downstairs and I built a drum kit. I don't know about you. I've never done that before. So I was a little nervous um, about that. But here was the cool moment, right? She wakes up in the morning. Um, I have coffee. My wife, we're, we're all ready to go. She comes downstairs and sees the drum set and loses her mind, right? Like she, her eyes are real big. Um, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm excited. My wife, we're all happy. Our, our one-year-old, she doesn't even care what's going on. She's just happy to be there. Um, but there is a moment where in the excitement, she stops looks at me in like this little cute face and goes, dad, thank you, right? And then she runs straight to the drum set and makes the loudest noise I've ever heard in my entire life. And I instantly regretted those um, purple drum sets, right? But here's the cool moment, right? Like for months now, she was just hoping and anticipating that she would get drums for, for Christmas. And then a couple nights ago, she wakes up to the thing that she has been waiting for. And just to see the joy and the excitement, man, it was a really cool dad moment. But more importantly, um, that's exactly what we're going to see in our, in our text today, right? So I want you to go ahead and find your way to Luke chapter 2. We're wrapping up a series that we've been in where um, we've been going through these songs of Christmas through the book of Luke. And these songs started with Mary lifting up her voice and praising God that one, God chose her to be the mother of Jesus, um, but also that what she's praising God for, what he's going to do through Jesus. Then the next week that we, we saw in week two, where, where um, Zechariah, um, the father of John the Baptist, he sings a song thanking God for him making promises and keeping his promises. Right. Last week, if you were with us, if you weren't, we went over um, the, the songs that, that we just sang, actually. The, the angels are singing a song in front of some shepherds, glory to God on high and peace on earth to, to men. Right. And so we're, we're seeing all these songs. But then here's this moment where where Jesus is born. And what we're going to see this week is that there's this man named Simeon and his story. Um, he gets to see baby Jesus and his song that he sings man, has a lot of um, has a lot of meaning for us today. And so what I want us to do is let's pray and then let's dig into Simeon's song. Um, and man, it's going to be a good Christmas Eve morning in the church. So let's pray together. Um, let's pray. 
God, we love you. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for this season. Um, it can be hard for some, and um, Lord, I pray that for those that, who are struggling in this season, Lord, that you give them grace, you give them hope and joy. Um, but Lord, I pray that in this moment, over the next um, little time uh, we have together, that you would help us focus in on your word. Um, Lord, help us to see your scripture and help us to understand it um, so that we can live it out. Um, and God, we love you, and we just praise you, and um, yeah, be with us. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. All right, go ahead and find Luke chapter two. Let me give you a little bit of context of what's going on. This is eight days after Jesus was born. And in those times, um, this was the time where they would go and do all these purification process, right? Jesus would be circumcised, he'd be cleansed, and then he would be given a name and then presented, dedicated to God. All the family would be there, friends would be there. I mean, this was like a big ceremony type of moment. And, and, and in this huge moment, what Luke, the author does is, he, he writes these small little details that we tend to skim over, but they have a lot of meaning. <coughs> and so, sorry about that. So let's look at the, um, verse 21, and um, this is where Luke uh, begins to show these little details. Luke chapter 2, verse 21. When the eight days were completed for his circumcision, he was named Jesus, the name given by angel before he was conceived. Now, hey, listen, I'll be real honest with you, all right? Um, circumcision's a big deal. I know there's some kids in the room, so if you don't know what circumcision is, Pastor David will be here in a couple of weeks, all right? What I want you to do is hold that question for Pastor David, all right? So when he comes, you ask him, Pastor David, what is circumcision, all right? Um, older men, I would love for you to do the same thing. Um, and just, just, to see, just to see his reaction, you let me know how that goes, all right? So circumcision, Pastor David, good luck. And that's what happens when you're not here, right? So... Yeah, that's, yeah, save that for him. But this is actually a big deal, right? Luke doesn't just mention it for no reason. This is, this is a big deal because in Genesis chapter 17, God um, made a command to Abraham, right, as part of the covenant that, hey, the males of the family would be circumcised. And this was, this is a way to be in the family kind of thing, right? And so for Jesus, God in the flesh to go through circumcision, that's showing us that he is actually one of us, that he is God in the flesh, that he is doing what we would do, that he, was, he, is, he is fully God, but also fully human. That if he didn't do this, he wouldn't be a part of Abraham's lineage, right? He wouldn't be one of us. So therefore, he couldn't save us. But he's going, he's showing, what, what Luke has shown us is that no, Jesus is fully God and he's fully man. And that little detail is important. And I love what Luke does next because this ties right into what Simeon is about to start singing about. Not circumcision, but the next part that Luke mentions. There's this moment where Jesus is actually given his name, right? Luke says that his name was Jesus. Remember, this is a big deal. Like John the Baptist, the angel said, you will name him Jesus. That's what the angels told Mary, and that's what she did. And so I, I think that there's, there's this, um, we, we have heard Jesus's name so much that we actually don't know or comprehend or tend to remember what his name actually means. Jesus is a translated name from Hebrew that means Jehovah is salvation, okay? Another way that you can translate it is Savior. So the original name Jesus is this, is this Old Testament name that, we, that you've heard of, it's Joshua. So when we put that all together, translating it, Jesus' name means Lord is salvation. 
This is a huge detail that his name is Lord is salvation. I mean, how awesome is that? That it's more than just a name. It's more than just a catchphrase. Jesus' name is Lord is salvation. And that name is a claim and it's a promise. The claim is that he is Lord. That, that he's not just a baby. He's not just a man. That he is the creator of the universe. That he is God in the flesh. That he is the one who made all things, sustains all things. He is Lord. That's the claim. And if the claim isn't true, then the promise doesn't happen. What is the promise? He is salvation. And so the claim being true means that the promise is also true. That we serve Jesus, the Lord over all, who can and will and is offering salvation. From what? From the wrath of God towards our sin. I mean, this is why we sing songs about his name. This is why we, we, we see in the scripture that when the demons, the Bible says that when demons hear the name Jesus, they shudder with fear. Because it's not just a name. He is Lord. He is God. He brings salvation. So remember, the context matters, right? For, for 400 years before this moment, God was silent. Everyone was just hoping and waiting for the promise that God made that he would send the Lord, he would send the Savior. And now here is Mary, here is Joseph, here's an eight-day-old uh, eight baby boy, and they are naming that boy Jehovah is salvation. Lord is salvation. And with that claim and with that promise, the way that it's all translated, it, 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 it paints the picture um, of deliverance. So he's not just Lord, he's not just salvation, he is our deliverer who is able to deliver us from sin and from death. He is able to deliver us from addictions, from, from, from fear, from anxiety. He is able to deliver us. He is our Lord, he is our savior, he's our deliverer. And what that should do is that should bring this excitement inside of you that makes you want to testify, that makes you want to praise him. Because this claim and this promise is true. And that's what we see happen, right? Let, let, let's look at what happens next with this guy named Simeon. Look at verse 25 and 26. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to Israel's consolation, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. So Simeon, what do we know about him right away? He's this older man who's, who was righteous, right? Not perfect, but he was righteous towards men, towards other people. He served other people well. He lived upright, meaning he was serious about his faith in God. He was a man who was serious about his faith in God. And what do we know about him? In a time where God was silent, he was still hoping and clinging onto the promise that God made that a Messiah one day would come into the world right? He held on to that promise that one day God would send a savior. He was devoted and he trusted even while he was waiting. Now we can learn from that just right away. Now even as Christians, we will find ourselves in a season of waiting. I know some of you in this room today, you have been praying and praying and praying, waiting, praying for this thing to happen. I don't know what that thing is, but it feels like you have been waiting for a long time for God to answer, and yet he hasn't, right? Every one of us has been in that season of waiting. Waiting is hard. 
right? Waiting for pink and purple drums is hard, right? That's a hard thing to do. But you might find yourself at some point, or maybe you're in this point right now, when you've been praying, you've been begging God, and it's getting hard to keep trusting that he is good. It's getting hard in that waiting season to trust that God has a plan, that he hears you, that he cares for you. And I listen, I've been in those type of seasons before. We're in those seasons, we're tempted to try to handle whatever that thing is on our own where we've prayed, we've done what we thought we were supposed to do, and yet we haven't heard, we haven't seen God move, and therefore, I'm gonna make whatever that thing is happen. And if you're like me, I've done that many times. And I'm here to tell you, sometimes it works, most of the time it doesn't work well. And so what we can learn right away from Simeon, before we even get into this song, is that when you will find yourself waiting waiting to hear from God, waiting for that situation, for God to do something and fix that thing, Man, hold on to the promise that God is good, that he has a plan. Just keep living for him. Keep serving. Keep trusting. This is what we see him do. He's just waiting. What is he waiting for? Specifically, it says he's waiting for the constellation of Israel. Right? That word constellation, we don't really hear a lot, but that's, uh, that word is, is a verbal form of this Hebrew word that we see in, in Greek that means comfort. Right? We see it in Isaiah 40, verse 1, where God says, comfort for my people. So what is Simeon waiting for? He is waiting for comfort from God. I mean, he's been waiting for God to send the Messiah. He's been waiting that, that, that one day the promise would happen and then finally feel some kind of peace, finally feel some kind of comfort, finally fully see that God's plan is working. And like I said, some of you, you might be there right now and you're still, you're, you're fighting and you're waiting and I'm here to tell you, just keep leaning into God. Keep leaning and keep trusting that God is good. And, and so here's the crazy part of, of Simeon's story, right? The, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit said, hey, listen, you're not gonna die until you see the Savior. That's a big promise, right? If God promised me something like that, man, I would be acting a fool knowing that I'm not gonna die, Right? But what does Simeon do? He's waiting, and then all of a sudden, we see God do this really big divine appointment for him. Look at the next verse, verse 27 and 28. This is what the Bible says. Guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple. When the parents, Mary and Joseph, brought in the child Jesus to perform what was customary under the law, Simeon took him up in his arms, praised God, and said, now we'll wait to get into the song, Look at this cool moment where the Spirit says, Simeon, go to the temple. He, he goes in and he sees Mary and Joseph. He hears them call him Jesus, right? This is, this is the divine appointment if I've ever seen one. He hears them say Jesus. And then he walks over to them and picks up this baby and instantly knows the thing that I've been waiting for is right here. This is it. And what we see him do next, as his heart is just full of excitement and joy, we see him sing the song. Look at verse 29 and 30. This is his song. Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace as you promised, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Man, I love this. This is, this is so amazing. He knows that this baby Jesus truly is, Lord is salvation. 
How does he know this? Because in this moment, what he's holding is more than just a baby. He is holding that comfort, that peace that God promised. Right? Isaiah 9 through 6 describes the coming Messiah, describes Jesus as the Prince of Peace. So it's not just a baby he's holding. He is holding what the angels the week before, about a month before, saying that glory to God on high and peace on earth to men. He is holding that peace. He is holding that comfort. One of my favorite things about, about um, being a father was when those babies are born and they just put them in that swaddle, right? Like they look like a little football, right? And they're finally asleep and they're just like a ball of warmth and you can just see like peace on them. There, I don't think there's anything better than holding that baby in that moment. Now that doesn't last long because then they grow up and want to play drums that you regret buying, right? But in that moment, that, that baby, there's, it's just this peaceful moment, right? How many of you ever, did you all buy a Bonnaroo? I don't know what it's called. Is that what it's called? The thing that you put your baby in and it moves, kind of rocks them. Is that what it's called? Bonnaroo, something like that? Man, I was jealous of that thing, right? Like they just look so peaceful. How come they don't make adult ones, right? But in that moment, man, he's holding this, this baby and I couldn't imagine his, the feelings that he was feeling, right? That he's holding God. Like he's holding salvation. He's holding mercy and grace in his hands. And it changes him. I mean, instantly to the point where he's singing, you can dismiss your servant in peace, right? In other words, I can die now, right? Like I have found peace. This is my savior. This is my Lord. He said, my eyes have seen your salvation. I love this because he's actually just singing truth that we need to know. That this older man, he says, I can die in peace. Why? Because the Lord's salvation is right here. He saw Jesus and knew right away, Jesus is enough to give him full salvation and full peace. And this is the truth that we need to cling to today that Jesus in and of himself is enough to save us. Absolutely, like, for, like there is no doubt that he is enough to bring us satisfaction right now. That he is enough to, to, to fully heal us mentally, physically, and spiritually. That Jesus is enough to fix the brokenness that we experience in our hearts, in our family, in our marriages. Jesus is enough to break chains of addiction and sin that we can't break ourselves. Jesus is enough to transform the worst sinner into a saint. And Jesus is enough to bring peace for you eternally and also right now as you live. This is Jesus. He's holding him and he's looking at him and said, this baby is the Lord. He is the savior. And this truth we need to cling to that when you have Jesus, you have everything that you need. My friends and family, listen, everything that you need is wrapped up in the person of Jesus. You, you cannot find joy, identity, pleasure, um, peace, you can't find these things fully outside of the person of Jesus. You can't. The, the world offers you this off-brand version of peace, this off-brand version of salvation, this off-brand version of satisfaction. Jesus offers the real thing. And when you have Jesus, you have everything that you need right now and for eternity. 
and he's singing this. And I want you to see the last part of the song. Look at verse 31 and 32. He continues to sing, you have prepared it in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people, Israel. Now, Simeon, like he's now literally singing the gospel. And I love this. He says, you've prepared it. What is that? You have prepared salvation. In other words, God, from the very beginning of time, had already set into motion the plan to send the Savior to save us. Right? Salvation literally means that you need to be saved from something. What is that something? That something is our sin. The Bible tells us that we have this payment for, for, that we have earned ourselves for living against God's will. And the payment that we have earned is death, right? It's that we have to, when we die in our sin, die having no salvation, we die having to face the wrath that God has for not us, for our sin. And the problem is that we can't pay that payment. There's nothing that we can do to, to take that away from us. We can't be a good old boy and a good old girl. We can't serve enough, give enough, make enough, do enough things to cover that price. And that's the problem. Outside of Christianity, every religion tells you, you have to earn your way to that God. You have to earn your way to be forgiven. Christianity is the only religion that says, God will come down be to you and save you because you can't save yourself. So our problem is, we have this, this sin, this debt, that we can't take away on our own. That God's wrath towards our sin is on our shoulders and there's nothing that we can do to cover that. But that's the beautiful thing that we just read in his song and what we see throughout scripture. This problem that we have, God has already made a solution for. He's already had, he already has a plan in motion. When Simeon said that, that God had already prepared salvation for all people, I want you to describe, I want you to see how he describes that salvation. He says, you have prepared a light. What is it? A light. He calls salvation, he calls Jesus a light. A light. God in the flesh, a light. And what's amazing about that is that is exactly what happened the moment Jesus was born into the world, right? So let me put this together. Don't let me, don't let, don't let me lose you. Anytime you see the word darkness in scripture, it's more than likely referring to our sin. So the picture that Simeon is singing about, the picture that God wants us to see is this bigger picture of who Jesus actually is. Before Jesus was born, the world was spiritually dark, broken in sin. And that was our nature. The Bible tells us in Ephesians that we were just kind of walking around, just doing what everybody else was doing. That we were in the dark, trying to cling and hope that we would find something that would bring us joy, that we would find something to bring us satisfaction, that we would find something to, to make us feel better about who we are and what we do, that we're just clinging for anything in the dark, hoping and waiting. The Bible does tell us in, in Romans that some of us were actually pursuing the darkness, that we, that we were going headfirst into sin. But then, bigger picture, Jesus was born. And this is what the Bible says. You don't have to turn there, John 1, 9, that the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. The light, John 1, 4 through 5, in him, in Jesus, um, was life. And that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness and yet the darkness did not overcome it. 
John 8, 12, Jesus himself said this, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Listen, this is the gospel. This is the Christmas message. This is why Jesus came to this world. He is the light of salvation that when he stepped into the scene, he pushed back the darkness so that we can see God, so that we can see salvation. The whole reason Jesus was born, God in the flesh, was to come and light up the darkness that sin has casted over us. The reason that he lived a perfect life was to die as a sacrifice for our sins, to pay that debt we can't pay. And the reason that he rose from the dead was to show everyone that the claim and promise of his name is true. He is Lord and he's offering salvation. And here's the deal. Jesus, the light of the world, our salvation, he did all of that so that you and I can experience true life, true peace right now. Right now. John 8, 12 is this invitation that he's offering us today. He says, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me, anyone who chooses me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So what do we do with this? How do we respond with this? The first response that we have to make is you have to choose the light. You have to choose Jesus. Simeon holds this baby, knows instantly, this is the Lord, this is our salvation, and it changes him. He experienced Jesus in a real, tangible, personal way, and it changed him. So let me ask you, friends and family, have you experienced Jesus for yourself? Or is the faith that you have in Jesus something that has just been passed down to you? Because I'm here to tell you, your grandma's faith can't save you. Your mom and dad's faith can't save you. Let me ask you in a different way. Is Jesus the Lord, the King, the boss over your life, or are you still the God of yourself? Because listen, Jesus' name is Lord is salvation. So he, if Jesus isn't the Lord of your life, then you can't just claim salvation. Jesus isn't a get out of hell free card. That's not how this works. He has to be your Lord. You have to have a moment of full surrender, knowing I, I'm a sinner. I'm in need of saving. So Jesus, I surrender. You're the Lord. You're the boss. You're the king of my life. My will is done. I just want to pursue you. But that's when salvation takes place, when we surrender to Jesus. So how do we respond? You have to surrender. You have to choose the light. And when we have our time of response, I'm going to ask you, man, stop playing a game with your soul and come repent, come surrender to Jesus. He is offering you true life. He is offering you true peace. So how do we respond? We choose the light. And the second thing, how do we respond? If you're a Christian in here, our response is we share the light. I love how Simeon ends his song. He ends it with this idea that this light was for everyone, for all the nations that we serve a God who desires, the Bible tells us that no one would perish, but that all would come to him. And we see all throughout scripture that we serve a global missional God, that he truly wants everyone to know him. So what does that mean for me and you, those who are, who are believers? 
Those of us who have felt the peace that comes when we surrender our life to Jesus, what do we do? Here's how we respond. We share the light. God's mission becomes our mission. That we take what we know and what we've gained from Jesus and we share that with other people. Because here's the reality that we need to wrestle with. That there, there are people in your family. There are people, your, your friends, your coworkers, your teammates, your teachers, your schools, the people at Walmart, the gas station, there are people all around you who their reality is they are still walking in darkness because they don't know Jesus. I mean, it's all over Greenbrier. It's all over Arkansas. There are people still walking around trying to cling to whatever um, this world is offering them, clinging to, to this to gain hope and to that. And, and it's just letting them down. They are walking in darkness with the debt that they can't pay and a hope that they don't know yet. A hope that you and I have already accepted, already received and living in right now. There are people that need you to be bold enough to share what you know of Jesus to be true with them. That they don't have to walk in darkness. They don't have to cling to, to false hope. That there is a God and his name is Jesus who loves them and is offering them salvation. I mean, listen, Jesus didn't come to this world. Go through what we go through. Live perfectly die as a sacrifice, nailed to a cross, buried in a tomb, rising again three days later to save you for you just to sit on your salvation. That, that, is, that is not why Jesus came. That is not why he died and why he rose again. How, how dare us accept this gracious gift and hold it to ourselves? the reason why the gospel came to you was to shine light in the darkness, set you free, bring you peace and a light that you now extend to those around you. That is how we respond to this Christmas gift of Jesus Christ. That is our response. Our mission is to simply, but with passion and boldness, Share the hope of Jesus with as many people as we can. Thank you for listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist. We hope that we will see you in person this next Sunday. To find more information about service times, location, and ministry offerings, visit mysecond.family. Thank you for listening.